And welcome into the latest episode of American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Network. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Thanks for joining us today. On latest news headlines in agriculture, USDA's chicken and egg summary for 2022 shows how highly pathogenic avian influenza impacted growers and consumers. American Farm Bureau Federation economist Barrett Nelson explains the data. The average layers during 2022 was around 379 million. This was down 3% from a year ago in 2021. The average production per layer was 289 eggs. This is up about 1% from 21. Egg production in 2022 totaled 110 billion eggs, or down right around 2%. Nelson says a recent drop in prices sparked more demand, bringing prices back up in February. Since prices have kind of dropped off a little bit, especially on the wholesale side, I think that retailers have really started to pick up their purchasing. And that in turn has increased our demand and thus raised prices up again. So as a national average, we're looking at our large grade A shell eggs coming in at around $4.82 per dozen. So we're seeing these prices kind of pick back up again for the near term. He adds the next few months will be key to where prices move later this year. We're going into the migratory waterfowl season. And so far in February, things have remained pretty calm. At this time last year was when we really saw the HPAI cases starting to accelerate. So if things remain slower and we don't see as many outbreaks, we may see some of these prices start to come back down as producers actively pursue replenishing their inventory. And again, that is American Farm Bureau Federation economist Barrett Nelson. Well, the U.S. Grains Council held its annual meeting and international marketing conference last week as Mexico changed its decree regarding the importation of genetically modified corn. Mexico last week updated the decree to ban importation of GMO white corn now and yellow corn at a later date. USGC President and CEO Ryan Legrand says it's a concerning issue for U.S. farmers. It's very concerning. At U.S. Grains Council, we've not been so public about it. We've been trying to work behind the scenes on both sides, but it's about to come to a head. We'll see what our government's ready to do next. They've talked a little bit about maybe consultations or even a dispute settlement process within USMCA. We'll support whatever the government would like to do here. The United States is the top supplier of corn for Mexico, and much of the supply is GMO corn. Legrand says the U.S. Grains Council has staff in Mexico and other countries to help work on issues like these when they arise. We do. That's really our, the core of what we do. Having those boots on the ground around the world, whether that's in Mexico, whether that's in India, those are our eyes and ears. They're our connection to that foreign government. They're our connection to that import industry. And so it's invaluable to have these people that we have around the globe. Legrand adds that farmers are supportive of the U.S. Grains Council and its mission. We are really blessed by the support that we get from our farmer members and from the agribusiness members. They see what our team is doing. They hear what they're doing, the knowledge that our team brings to the table. It's very impressive, and it's easy to get behind. And the U.S. Grains Council held its annual meeting last week in Savannah, Georgia. Also here in news headlines, earlier this month, Central Washington's Dan Newhouse led his House colleagues in the introduction of the Prohibition of Agricultural Land for the People's Republic of China Act. The legislation would prohibit the purchase of public or private agricultural land in the United States by foreign nationals associated with the government of the People's Republic of China. The chair of the Western Caucus added the issue of those close to the Chinese government owning U.S. farmland as one of national security. For any, any adversarial country to potentially gain control of any link in our su- uh, supply chain, especially our food supply chain, that could have 
truly negative consequences. Imagine how quickly we could be literally brought to our knees if our food supply was compromised. Newhouse's legislation was introduced days before a Chinese spy balloon was spotted over Montana and eventually shot down off of the coast of South Carolina. I've been working on this issue for at least two years now. We just introduced new legislation in this Congress to address it. This is going to be one of the major topics that the select committee looks at. The balloon thing just uh, helps people understand how important the work we're going to do is to our country. So timing is everything. Newhouse added he's hopeful lawmakers will take this proposal as an opportunity to consider what steps should be taken to benefit the safety and security of Americans and American farming. Production and consumption of ethanol as a transportation fuel grew significantly over the last three decades in the United States before plateauing in recent years. The ethanol share of finished motor gasoline has moved concurrently with consumption, leveling off near 10% in 2022. Steps taken in the spring of 2020 to combat the spread of COVID-19, such as increased remote work at school and other social distancing efforts, resulted in sharp declines in a variety of ethanol market metrics. For example, from 2017 to 19, U.S. ethanol production averaged 1.33 billion gallons per month, while consumption averaged 1.18 billion gallons per month. During the pandemic lows, these values fell by 46% and nearly 40% respectively, causing the ethanol share of finished motor gasoline to decline to 9%. Now, more recently, estimates for all three figures have largely recovered and leveled off. However, adoption of hybrid and electric vehicles is expected to put downward pressure on gasoline consumption and dampen prospects for renewed growth in fuel ethanol demand. Also here on today's program, we look at ocean shipping rates, and we've seen some drastic changes when it comes to the price of ocean shipping rates here in recent weeks. As we take a look at a new report from the U.S. Weed Associates, since the highs of 2021, freight prices have dropped to lows not seen since June of 2020, according to recent analysis by U.S. Weed Associates. Coupled with a recent break in wheat prices, decreased ocean freight costs have helped turn the tides back in the importer's favor. The Baltic Index price chart of dry bulk freight rates shows the impact on rates from the Russian invasion of Ukraine. On February 6th, the Baltic Dry Index hit 621, a level not seen since June of 2020. The index has fallen 88% from its peak in October of 2021. In recent years, dry bulk freight and Chinese economic growth have become interconnected. Vessel supply and demand, port congestion, oil prices, and the ongoing supply chain disruptions will continue to impact the market as economies normalize post-COVID. However, China remains in the driver's seat of global freight, according to U.S. Wheat Associates. The resilience of the Chinese economy will be put to the test as economic activity increases post-COVID. And lastly, here on American Ag Today, the organic market has seen continued growth in retail sales in the past decade. However, the pace of growth has slowed, according to USDA's Economic Research Service. U.S. organic retail sales increased by an average of 8% per year and surpassed $53 billion in 2020. In 2021, sales were $52 billion, which was a 6% annual decline when adjusted for inflation, but a slight increase when not inflation adjusted. Additionally, the number of certified organic acres operated increased gradually from $3.6 million in 2011 to $4.9 million acres in 2021. Well, that is going to do it for this episode of American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Network. Thanks so much for joining us here today. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Have a fantastic rest of your day. We'll talk to you tomorrow.